Today I'm chatting with Pei Su, the CEO and co-founder of Act Asia, an award-winning humane education charity. Pei Su's background is in animal welfare and sociology. She co-founded Act Asia in 2006 with an Asian veterinarian to support the development of caring societies in Asia. We talk about Pei's work at Act Asia and what life is like running a large non-profit, as well as touching on the pandemic what's been learned from it, and what needs to change to prevent repeated outcomes in the future. Here's my conversation with Pei Su. Good morning, Pei. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. And thank you very much for Task.io to invite me to join to do this podcast. My pleasure. It's good to have you on. You know, it's nice to, uh, you know, obviously we're working with you guys, but it's nice to to do something social as well and, and, you know, learn a bit more about, about the work you guys do. Yes. Um, it's, you're, you're obviously in the UK. I'm in Thailand. So how is it in the UK today? All good? Oh, yes. Every day is um, a, a new experience to continue to be locked down and to, you know, to re- I think it's a good time to reflect, you know, for what's happening around the globe. And I think, to be able to see the continent from the distance. You know, I had never been so, you know, away for so long from, you know, China or, you know, part of Asia countries. So it's, um, it's, it's a brand new experience this year. Awesome. Well, it's, my family are all there, so I get updates daily. I know it's, it's <laughs> definitely a little bit of a different December we're heading into, but um, yeah, look, I, I would love to start with, uh, you know, your a little bit on your journey in Act Asia. I mean, that's you know what we're here to talk about and, and the work you guys do. Maybe as a good intro for our listeners, if you just want to give us a bit of background on on Act Asia, how yeah. it all came about, and and your your connection to that. So yes, absolutely. Um, before I set it up, Act Asia, I work on the grassroots groups uh, in Taiwan. And then I joined a very well-known international charity working in their headquarter, um, which is based in the UK. Um, while I was working at this international organization, you know, I started as the Asian project officer in charge of all different kinds of projects and animal species across Asia continent, that including illegal wildlife trade, animals in entertainment, stray dog cats issue, bay bio, tiger fun, and fur trade. So such, you know, go on and on, um, which helped me to gain a lot of knowledge and experience in terms of project management and, and complex animal welfare issue in, in different cultural contexts. When I left the organization, you know, I was already very high up in the organization as the director label in charge of providing support of over a thousand member organization in which most of them are still based in the country where the animals are you know still in very terrible status or animal welfare awareness is low or non-existent so i think that the journey i have been through is i was very lucky to be able to work on the grassroots label and international label and also i was able to see the gap of understanding each other and deliver projects in a multicultural background and the difference in international and local label, how they not 
matching each other, they're not collaborate as effective as they should be. So I think that is really uh, one of the major reasons I set up ActAsia because I feel my background, my understanding, and I could you know, help the, the, the countries and these countries in Asia and organizations work more effectively. That's, that's I see the, the how we turn local um, action to link with the global perspective as well. Yeah, and you're obviously, as you said, you're based out of the UK and a lot of the work you do is in, in mainland China, right? So you, you're connecting back with, with your teams there, with, with, with veterinary teams and, and the work, a lot of the work you do is over in, the mainland, in mainland China, yeah? Yes, um, we, I, I think it's really important is these countries like in, in a development you know, world, you know, for social development, the, the loss of these local organization on the grassroots, you know, in Africa or in Asia, they still need lots of international support. And I think that's international human aid organizations coming from. And I think same as, you know, the animal issues or, or you know, more of conservation issues as well. However, when we give their hope, I think that you need to be, can be a bit more effective again. And I think that's how we come back to, you work with company like Task.io. And, and, and China itself is, you know, we, we, in today's world, we all know how important it is, but I want to put some figures into, you know, to, to your audience, you know, Asia is the most populous continent. So it's 4.4, uh, 4.6 billion, you know, inhabitants accounting for 60% of the world population. And um, so out of 51 countries, in Asia, China marked as number one in, in terms of human population with 1.44 billions. And this is really the latest figure. And of course, India is the second one. So come to this is one is why Act Asia is called age for focus in Asia, because the population, of course, in my personal connection as well. And, and China itself, we talk about a large population also is, is a home of you know, the, the, the wide variety of wildlife. And this is one of, it, it's listed as one most, you know, mega diverse countries in the world. And it's in top 17. And there's over a thousand species in China is threatened, vulnerable or almost extinct. And um, especially the use of wildlife is just so, you know, um, wide, widely um, utilized. Uh, with the COVID now, thanks to the Chinese government, that the, the use wildlife for food is banned. However, they are still life, you know, there's still wildlife or all kinds of animal they are using in, you know, in our daily life, factory farming for the fun animal, the traditional medicine use lots of species in the wild. And the, the, the zoo in China, they're still using all um, different type of animals. So what I'm trying to say here is we, in, in China, the animals are using such a, you know, extreme way as resources. We, you know, I've, I, in this year, ActAsia is trying really hard using the COVID to explain the human, animal, and nature is our, consists of our planet. We need to make sure we cannot just focus on, 
you know, the, the human issue about how to get rid of COVID, but because how to prevent the COVID, get rid of COVID is really related to how the way we treat with na nature and animals. And I cannot strengthen enough is Act Asia is not only just working from animals angle, we actually are trying to tell lots of our supporters and the, the and government and media, you know, in all different platforms to say the importance of human animal and nature con connectedness, we intertwined. We are in this trouble because we just never focus enough to look, you know, close enough It's how we change our way of life to have less impact in the, our nature world and animals. Well, I was reading your um, profile on the website, um, which I feel is quite inspirational in a way, and you've touched on parts of it there, and you, you know, you, you talk in it, um, and I'll paraphrase a bit, I can't remember the exact words, but you talk about, you know, growing up and the relationship you saw that communities had with, with animals and, and, and then also with, with children, and this kind of, I think you're, the words you used when you talk about animals, that they're there to service, I think, or something like that was the word you used. Um, and obviously, you know, reading your profile, some of these things have been the motivating factors in what you do. Was there, you know, was there one incident, was there one thing, or was it just a, a process over time that, that, you know, took you from this kind of awareness to being a, being a, a change agent in this way of, of going out and educating people and, you know, showing people different ways of, of teach, of, of treating each other and, and animals and everything else. Was there one moment or was it a, just a process? I don't think it's a one moment, but I've been in this, you know, charity sector for nonprofit for almost 30 years. I think my, but diff, it's very kind of different from many people. I don't see myself as an animal lover. My starting point was that the, this um, career is really starting from the social justice issues. So I personally, you know, care about human rights issues, the environmental issues, and and to animals. To to more focus on animal, I feel was less noticed, less you know effort was put in in the Asia context, and um, the. The, the way we treat animals is so many moments I've seen, I just feel there's no justification. They don't deserve this. You know, even with recent COVID, you know, mink issue, if you look at how the mink was caught in Denmark, Netherlands, you know, in, and, and also in Spain, Ireland is going to start it now, even if they don't have a COVID. And if you see the scale of animal, the lives dies, for the sake of what? For luxuries, the sake of because the woman or men want to feel great to be cuddled by the, the uh, felt pelts. It, it, it is no justification to me. They, mm. There is that just the issues is very, you know, deeply, you know, um, profoundly have impacts on me. And so, and then there's so many moments, you know, I, I remember I did an investigation in Indonesia and I see, uh, uh, it because at the time, all the zoo in, in, in Indonesia, same as China now, they all have a circus. So people go to see, you know, animals in this zoo, not see, they observe their nature habitat that they like and how their behaviors, they were treated to, 
show some abnormal behavior, like, you know, an elephant will be have two legs, you know, raised up in the front, and, and they will, you know, be able to, 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 to spin in the balls, all these sorts. So when I saw the, the cover was when they were uh, trained this baby elephant, and the baby elephant was really, was beaten hard by this trainer. And, and I, I, I filmed the whole thing. And in the end of the film, when I, when I um, closed, you know, shut the, the, the video camera and I started, I had a breakdown, I started to cry. And, and, and to me, that was the moment, you know, I still remember that baby elephant was so confused. He, the elephant didn't know whether she should stop, uh, stand up, you know, or she'd sit down, what the trainers want, you know, this elephant to do so I relating now to like a you teach your toddler the toddler you if you keep beating that toddler they, they have no idea but the elephant trainer is ignorant he doesn't know animals have feeling the sentience he doesn't feel understand to beat this you know to 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 have beaten this elephant is extreme it's just like a, a child I think I think a lot of people in the west they have that concept about what is animal sentience that's still very, very, you know, under, you know, recognized in that part of the world where, where you're based in the Asia country. So I think several, you know, I, I've done lots of undercover investigation. I see the bear farm, you know, fur farms to even slaughterhouse. I, I, I did a, an intensive slaughterhouse, slaughterhouse investigation. And I used to go to, into slaughterhouse just from 11 o'clock at night and I come out six o'clock because when they finish operation and, and I walk out to thanks, I don't know, God or Buddha, whatever, up there say, I, I, I am relieved I didn't do this job. And I, I so relieved this animal didn't die for me because I already, you know, a vegetarian at the time. So I think a lot of time, this kind of moment is really re, reaffirmed what I'm doing now. It's a very hard journey. It's very easy in, in my, I think at the moment, people like me from Asia to do this work for almost 30 years is almost in danger as well. It's not many people <laughs> like, that, like me. Um, because it's, it's, it's a tough job. It's, it's hard and, and it's so you know, emotional drained as well. So many people, I see so many volunteers, friends, colleagues, they just drop out mm. because they can't bear it. And so I think the moment what you were mentioned is really able me to remember this special moment to say what I'm doing, although it's hard, but it's, 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 I'm trying my best. You know, I'm trying, you know, and I hope my trying the best will have impact to influence more people as well. Cool, well, yeah, I mean, you've said like 30 years is a long time. It's really interesting what you said there about people dropping off. I mean, that's just, you see it, I mean, it, and no, disrespect to the people that do part-time volunteering but it is very tough when you work in this space for as long as you have and and you just keep you must have something in you that wants to keep going with it um you touched on a couple of things there which i, I just wanted to i mean which are really interesting this whole importance of you know it's not about blame it's about education right because and i've seen it here in smaller ways what you're talking you know with the elephant riding in thailand which has massively changed over the last 10 years where they're still around but most of the elephants now are in sanctuaries. They're looked after. They're supported. But you know, the, you, you cannot blame the people 
who are training an elephant to be ridden, who have a family, who don't know any better. It's, it is about education and awareness to shift, you know, what happens, what the behavior is, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just kind of probably touching on what you've already said, but just wanted to highlight that because I think it's so great, that kind of work, what you're doing, and the education focus is so key. Um, I, I, it's, I used to, to think when I was, I, if I look at my uh, career, you know, for, for the journey for the visa charity sector, I have my first 20 years. And in my first 20 years, I used to think people doing education are wimp. <laughs> I, <laughs> the honest truth. I, I used to really kind of look, not look down, but I'm quite superior in a sense. I used to think, you know, I'm the one go to the front. I doing, I was, I'm the one doing the undercover investigation. I go to do the campaigning, protesting. I do the lobbying, you know, writing the documents. So I feel I'm really, you know, in a way is I, I feel more spirit. I, I'm doing more effectively. Um, then after 20 years, I, I, I am totally, totally exhausted. You know, I, I was in despair in some way to feel, what am I doing? You know, we continue shouting and screaming. We continue to, you know, fix the pies, the end of the line, you know, or, or what they, in American Express, is more Ben 8 approach. You just stick a plaster to stick a plaster. And so when I when I was my 20 years anniversary myself in the, the, this, um, my career in, you know, nonprofit, I asked myself if I can do another 20 years, what I would want to change. Would I continue to do what I'm doing or what would I do? And I think I had that, again, you, what you were talking earlier about the moment, I felt there's so more I have, you know, look what I've done is by ignorance. And also the, the people just so ignorant in the way they, they have not, they're not cruel people. You know, you, you will agree with me, Thai people or, or Chinese people, they, they're very welcoming, very warm. You know, hospitality is amazing when they, you know, treat the foreign invest in, in visitors. But the, but the problem is they haven't been told, you know, animals are sentient. They've never been told how to be a, a good person, a global citizenship, is not just only by academic achievement. So I felt was grow up in the way kids were, when I grew up, we were just like treat animals resources. That's normal. I remember my mother told me, oh, I can't kill that chicken. So I asked her aunt to come to kill chicken and kill that chicken and cut up straw. You know, she told me vivid how I was only about four. But I remember how my mother told me how the chicken should be killed, but she couldn't do it. She asked my aunt to come to do it. She, she told me, oh, there's a, a golf festival. So the, the pig will be killed in the village, you know, in, in, in the way this pig will be force feeding up to a thousand kilo. Then the whole village will, on that particular, when the, 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 the pig was killed, we all get a piece of meat and we all, feel fantastic because yeah, we could, you know, have a feast. So in the sense, and nobody was thinking about that poor pig was forced feed to a thousand kilo, could not even stood up. You know, the normal pigs probably about hundred or two is, is this was five times more. Nobody was thinking about how the, the pig was openly slaughter 
in front of the eyes of the kids. So we were desensitized from very early stage. I remember there was a, a boy at age of three told me in China, my mother told me dogs are dirty, dogs is very dangerous. And I say, why? Dogs will give us rabies. And I think we in that visual circle, these kids will grow up to be not taught, you know, animals are not just resources. We live, we share the world. All these misconceptions in, in, in the way. And that made me feel we got to address the root cause. We got to address, you know, this issue fundamentally. And, and otherwise we, we really are continuous firefighting. And I really want Act Asia to do is Grow, you know, kids grow up to not in this fighting firefighting mode. Kids, I, I always said, I hope one day when I die, there will be lots of young kids, you know, or youth, then the, 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 the new generations, they will take in the, 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 for example, like the UK have a climate rebellions. They would have you know, the, the animal rebellions. And I think this is what our job, the education is make them think critically, make them want to do the, the right thing by themselves, not because you and me say so. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. So um, I wanted to ask you, we chatted a bit, uh, you know, when we chatted off off the pod before this, you, we talked a little bit about, um, the nonprofit versus enterprise. And I think you said something around, you know, it's not, the enterprise needs to be responsible. We didn't really dig into that, and I, I, but, it, but it's something I wanted to chat about, you know, in terms of the role of charity, the role of nonprofit versus the role of, of the business sector. And, you know, you obviously as, an, as a charity depend on funding from various areas, whether it's donors, whether it's grants, whether it is businesses, but do, do you see the role of, of the enterprise of, of businesses of getting much more actively involved now in, in how the world has changed, whether it is environment, whether it's uh, animals, whatever it is, do you see the role of business being a lot more key than it has been, you know, through your career as someone leading a nonprofit? Absolutely. I think that the there's two ways to look at it. First of all, the corporate companies, they do have their social responsibility, but this social responsibility is, can be expand and develop in various ways. You know, it could be go through by donation to the charity that's most, you know, direct help. They can work with like what we have done in China is we work with the, the retailers we encourage them to join, for example, fur-free brands. We work with, you know, different type of um, retailers. So for example, they could be um, promote a vegan plant-based food, or they could be um, the cosmetic products. We make sure the ingredient, we make sure they, when they use their raw materials, they source the right supplier. So it's, it's in a chain. So the, the, to create that change, we might be the agents to, create change, but there is a, a different agents. If we all work together, we could be more effective. So what, what Act Asia is trying to do is provide that multi-dimensional um, platform. So the business can be part of, you know, what we're doing, we work together. So, so for example, this year, we had our sustainable uh, fashion fur-free forum. 
the the event was joined be part of big fashion festival, uh, fashion expo. So in the expo itself, we were one of the, we, we had a fur free day, we had our forum. So instead we rent high a venue to do it on our own, we work with the expo. So what, what they call is, we both have our strength. And when our strengths combine together, we become stronger and bigger. And that what I think is really important from the, the angle. So I just have talking to another company. They were, they, they are the company, they, they were want to promote SDG goals because they are construction company and, and um, in interior design in a construction company. So they have lots of, lots of outdoor projects. So they are talking about how in their activity or in their outdoor center, how do they collaborate with our education program to enable the SDG goal to be reached further and, and wider audience. So I think this is a lots of the, the, the opportunity collaboration. However, is one thing is really important in my experience, I want to share with, with your audience, they, they, they could be the companies or, or, or commercial operations. Very easy to treat the charity as USCSR department. You know, so for example, I they they would say, okay, I want to do this. Can you let me do the volunteer experience? Most of the time, we say no, because the the charity work, the project is not just your service platform. So so sometimes, so when we say, okay, you, you want to be volunteer, you need to ensure you committed to certain extent. You know, for example, if you want to teach our program, can you guarantee your staff will commit 10 times a year? Because the, 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 the school setting is not, you can't have someone say, oh, well, I'm, I'm busy, I'm going to, you know, to, to, to have a business trip or I have a meeting, so that come. So it's, it's really easy the corporate asker to service their program instead of helping the charities go. So I think this is something we all have to work together. But what my point is that the, the commercial setting has more and more important role to work closely with the charities. Yeah, it's really interesting what you say there because conceptually it sounds great when you say, oh, we're gonna like let our employees have one, you know, like whatever it is, one day or two days a year doing charity work. but sometimes that you know it just becomes a tick box on a spreadsheet and the effect is really not just minimal but sometimes detrimental because what you need is consistency with volunteers but on the flip side this whole you know shared value structure within businesses where they really look at okay we're a business that has a negative impact here so we will create um, you know, structures, business models that help to reverse that process, whether it's environment and, you know, whether it's volunteering longer term strategically with the right partners. It's a really interesting area because I, yeah, I, I can see how as, as a nonprofit, it's great. You need business to support, you need business to work, but it, you know, it needs to be the right engagement plan um, for it to work properly. I think under, you absolutely follow what you just said is understand each other's needs and you know don't put more burden on the charity is actually already quite you know um restricted in resources i think understand each other's needs 
we understand corporate want to have a certain you know um, outcome to you know and to fit their CSR needs as well. We understand that. However, they the the under it's our strengths and work out the way can work for the both side. I think that's important. It's, it's the challenge is sometimes is the, the corporate already, you know, have a certain target they want to meet and they use that to use those criteria to look for the charity to collaborate. And that is quite hard. So it's very common they, they the, the company come to me and say, oh, if we work with you, would you increase our fans? Would you get how many likes? And now I just say, no, it's not possible because I'm not, I'm not an advertising agency. You can't even get an advertising agency to get that. Why would you expect us to do that? So I think it's the wrong expectation of each other in a way, but, but the, 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 the scope of potential is, is there, is, 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 is big, huge, and able to work further. We, we have very successful case in China, like the one expo we just, we, we just did. We also work with Stella McCartney this year. You know, we, they, they need to do the show. They have a show. We use, they show us our sustainable fashion, you know, festivals opening. So again, we're not causing more burden on each other, but together we get more uh, people and from different sectors or different um, background to know the collaboration as so we reach more people. So we each other broaden our tents to get these bigger, wider um, change and, and reach as well. I, I see you guys as a really forward thinking charity. Um, of course, there are many other charities like, like yourselves that, uh, you know, look at technology adoption, look at um, you know, not just fundraising, but planning and then realizing the funds will come when we plan properly. And, um, you know, there are not all charities like that. It's a very mixed sector. It's changed a lot over the years. I mean, what, you know, what are the, what are the biggest challenges for, for yourselves and charities like you, which are forward thinking? I mean, are, are there, most people just assume a, the biggest challenge for a charity is finding donations, but I, I don't know if it's that simple. I mean, what, this looks like a big question, but you know, I'm, I'm sure it is. By the way, um, by the way, you're looking at me. What, what, what are the biggest challenges, though, that you face as a charity? Um, you know, in this kind of decade or at this time. Wow, it is a very big question. You know, <laughs> it's a way where we start. I, I think probably a couple points. Um, first of all, yes, we the the, the under the COVID you know, many charity, including Act Asia, is facing enormous challenge for in terms of funding. And um, a lot of time I in this year, in probably particularly last couple of months, when I was approached by different new adventure, new opportunity, new initiative. And that this is almost standard phrase is to me is, I, I love your ideas, I, I see the potential, but I need to keep my head above the water. We need to be able to, you know, sustain ourselves, especially with our co-funding. The worst thing I think to, could, could, look, could happen to a charity, you know, the, the size, you know, Actasia is not small, small, but we, we have a global operation. We have, you know, more than 10 full-time employees. In, uh, in, so I think it's, the worst thing is lose our, talented committee staff 
um, we need to support like this. And I think more people need to recognize it. Everyone need to learn living. The charity worker are professional. They were to be supported. There's still very, you know, a, a, a bad culture in, in, in the donation for when look at the charity, their management cost or their call, you know, cost for the staff. And I truly, truly think that need to be, you know, that is justifiable. They need to, people like me, you know, I've got a, a child to support, you know, a family to support. We can't just always think, oh, that is, your project's important, but the project would not run without the, the committed, talented people, one thing. The second thing I feel, the forward thinking in a way is, the charity needs to have integrity as well. You know, we need to make sure we're doing things not for the sake of it. We really understand what we're doing. Then the third thing I think come to where we, why we work with task IO is how do we, from integrity to the transparency, you know, transparency, you know, how do we make our um, project to be learned, to, to, to be heard more effectively. And that is not an easy task, especially as a language barrier, especially when you, you, you fight fighting, you try to keep your head above water, to think about how using the technology to help you because we don't know, we never heard it. We, I'm not come from the technological background. Taking stuff is not my strength, but to have a courage want to, to move, to tackle that. That needs lots of, you know, stamina in a sense, I feel, because you, you, you don't know where your next dollars come in. You have, you know, so many projects you have to keep going. Then to be everything forward. Sounds easy, but it's tough, very tough. So, but, but again, we can't be in vicious circle. We need to be able to think forward. Many charity in Asia or in a developed country, that's not say in global south in a sense, their projects management concept is very weak. Mm. I remember I, I have done this for last 14 years, particularly to explain to the charity, what is projects? You know, it's very easy They say, well, but when you say to the project have a starting and ending date, they say, no, there was no ending because if I feed the stray dogs, if I do the wrong centuries, the jobs carry on. So when you tell them the project have start and end day, it doesn't make sense because they said that we're not ending because we have to continue to rescue these elephants. We continue to feed them. But then you say, no, 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 no. You will do your work, but the, the specific task at beginning and the end, even such a simple, concepts is hard to blend in, then we'll be able to put down, put your program into the, 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 the different tasks or activities and break it down. And, and using your app to think about, okay, to be enable us to collect this data, we really need to know what we want to achieve. But again, they might have to say, but, but, but a circus is coming to the town now. The government is passing a law tomorrow. They, they always have urgent stuff you know even today I still have this same challenge in 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 a way so but I tell myself all the time yes but you still you might have 10 minutes or, or you have eight hours day you need to be make sure your eight hours not always firefighting you have to make sure for the 
the the longevity, sustainability, we need to start to invest. And I think that's what we come to the task I own to work with you guys because you understand the sector as well. It's, it's very, I think you're very unique as well, the company like Task, because it's rather than just a take you know, technology company, you actually understand the sector. And that I think is how we we will be helped by the right people. They they know our challenge. So it's not completely using our you know our experience applicable to you rather than just a commercial operations. Well, that's good to know. And, and maybe a good segue to my kind of final question and point, which is the sector that you know a lot better than us, which is uh, this the, the pandemic, which, you know, you've touched on a little bit and, you know, we're on this call tomorrow. There's a, there's a group of organizations, part of end pandemics. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's been obviously the biggest thing this year. I, I think it'll be etched in our memories for many years to come, but, you know, in terms of how you, you see this pandemic and how you see the future and going into next year, do you think there have been good lessons come out of that? Are we learning? You know, is there a path forward from this that, that has some sort of kind of, you know, optimistic um, reflection on what, what happens next? Um, you know, are, are there, is there good learning that's coming from this, from what you're seeing and, and, and what's happening? Um, you know, not just within the nonprofit sector, but you know, with it within all sectors, really. We we definitely will start a new normal. You know, we will never go back to normal. <laughs> this is a new normal. We have to adapt. And um, one thing good to come out from COVID is we in China, particularly, we we grabbed the opportunity to really highlight what actors have been saying all along, all along about the importance of human animal and nature interconnectedness. The, the one health concept is saying if animals are not healthy, our environment is not healthy, we can't be healthy. You know, we want we need to get out of the, the, the concept is again not just firefighting. The the vaccine from Pfizer, AstraZeneca, University of Oxford or, or University of London is all very positive news. However, we still, you know, in this band A approach, we've got to change our behavior in our daily life. One of the key things I think and pandemics alliance have been discussed is consumerism. We can't expect us to eat some amount of food, same type of the food, you know, consuming so much, you know, the, the nature resource in terms of the way we live in cars, you know, and, and how we transport, how do we address ourselves. This is all have impacts, even to drink a bottle of the water. You know, I see people, they, they just go to shop buying not only a bottle, they buy dozens of plastic you know, water in a bottle. And I think, I'm not saying that that's wrong to do, but I just think people never think there's a consequence. The consequence of our human consumer behavior has a great impact on our planet. This COVID is basically say the nature say we can't take it. We can't continue to allow you to cut down all the tree to grow soil bean to feed the kettles or just cut down the Amazon forest to um, to to housing more or to keep more cows and to to for what for beef industry. So I think people got to start to think 
what they do today have an impact of our next generations and not probably not even as far as next generation we would have years of years of bird flu you see now bird flu is coming back now so we need to get rid of this mentality okay if we have swine flu that's kill that's that's kill all the pigs then next year we breed more you know china just have the swine flu they they just say get they they kill so many of them but this year they they target is make sure the pig production back to what it was before because we have to make sure people have enough pork to eat we will never end these these pandemics and there is not one predicted. The scientists have saying that. that the facts has showing now as well. Buffalo is back now, you know, and, and, and we got to change. I, I, heard, I hope people listen to podcasts here will be able to really join the compassionate choice, compassionate way of living. What you do in your daily life can make that changes you know, by all different ways. They, they lots of, you know, I can give you lots of tips, but actually internet, Google has all the tips. What you, how the way you live can make our, you know, more sustainable way to do it. And I think that's what Agdesha is trying to do in China is we promote compassionate living, compassionate choice to the consumers. We're not saying don't do this, don't do, we are saying what you do really can help even just by, bringing the cups to the Starbucks, even just by stop drinking more, you know, plastic, uh, but, you know, using the water bottle from the plastic, you know, that that's all these practice should be changed. Cool. Well, look, it's been, it's been lovely to chat before. Uh, I'm going to get you to give some details, but actually giving Tuesday is coming up soon, I think. So if people want to um, support Act Asia on Giving Tuesday. Is it just your website? Is there something else you're doing? What can you can you leave us with some details of how people how they can find out more and if they want to support you on Giving Tuesday? What what's if, the best people, thing to do? Globally, they can just go to our website. That's www.actasia.org, or they could go to Just Giving. That is um, very easy to find Act Asia's campaign for Giving Tuesday. And um, as I have explained in this podcast the the people like me and my talent you know very talented committee staff can only continue to this work is with the support like many individuals a major donor to enable us continue to do what we are doing and is changing the mind and heart of next generations or people in China and people in China as well so the support is definitely needed particularly in this COVID year Awesome. Well, thanks, Pei. I, I will leave those links also in the in the podcast notes when we share this, so people can find you and support you if 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 they would like to. And yeah, great to to learn more and and and, and the great work you're doing. So um, I shall leave you to your day and 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 say goodbye. But thank you very much for for joining the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, and thank you for listening. And please share the podcast podcast as well. We surely will. Okay. This is a podcast from Task. Task helps you create and measure impact. For more information, please visit task.io.